Do you want to live freely and lightly in your purpose and passion? More than ever, we need to learn to live in rhythms that help move us forward. Welcome to the Exhale Podcast. This is Holly Newton, founder of Exhale Women, and I am your host. Today, I am so excited to share with you a guest I've been waiting a long time to get on the show. Uh, her name is Jessica Hoddle. She is a best-selling author, and her latest book is called Face Off With Your Feelings. Jessica, welcome. I am so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to dive into this topic. Um, you talk a lot you know, about feelings, pain, healing, and really just how to you know, help guide our relationship with God and and seek Him at a deeper level, a transforming level. Um, I would love to know, and I'd love for you to share how you wrote the book, Face Off With Your Feelings. Like, what led you to write that? I think the overarching general statement is I've seen a lot of things and experienced a lot of things when it comes to our faith and our feelings. I've seen two extreme avenues where one is, you know, you should have all the feelings. The other side is you should never have feelings and they're bad and they're just, you know, put them away, shove them down because you need to walk this out with God, regardless of what you feel. And I feel like both ways are very lonely and damaging because you're saying to one side, just feel all the feels, but they don't really then have steps to really process or begin to move through that. And then the other side is almost denying our human side without honoring it and then going to God. So for me, I wanted to be able to bridge the gap for both to be able to say feelings are not a sin, but feelings can lead us to sin. So what does it look like to have feelings, but take those feelings to God and then be able to process them in a very healthy way? That is one of the overarching themes of why I wrote the book. But per- at a personal level, I wrote it because I was that girl that was the emotional roller coaster that if you were up, I was up. If you were down, I was down. You know, experiencing all that I did as a ch- as a child from emotional abuse, physical abuse, witnessing that happen, and then later encountering that in my own relationships of the men that I was dating that was physical. They were drinkers, you know, alcoholics, they would do drugs. And I started to put myself in that situation of abuse as well. And then I started just reaching for things to fill me up and to feel love. So that was my body. I took hardcore into fitness, which is my first business I ever started. Um, And, you know, men was first and then it was my business and then it was my body. So I really have this experience of turning to everything except the Lord in my feelings. And when I came to the Lord, I didn't know what to do with that. So we just hear that feelings are bad. So I just kind of started to ignore them. Or I started to feel shame for them, which I think a lot of us feel. If I'm supposed to have joy of the Lord and I have sadness, well, then I feel shame because I shouldn't have sadness because I should be in the joy of the Lord. And I think that there's a sanctification process that has to happen. And, you know, we are not Jesus. You know, the sanctification is about becoming like Jesus. So that's really why I wrote the book. Wow. It's really important, this topic about feelings. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is, you know, I think so true. Uh, We can be misguided by our feelings or the very, you know, feelings God created us to feel sometimes can, like you're saying, you know, may feel like sin to us (laughs) if we're in a season where, you know, it's just not matching up with the way things thought we thought things should go. And I I would like to dive into that a little bit more. Um, 
you know, you, you had these experiences and, and here you are, you live in freedom and you're helping others to overcome. Where was your turning point where you began to personally have a shift in your life and how did that lead to where you are now? Mm-hmm. I just remember I was roughly around probably 24, 25. And at the time of this recording, I am 34. And I just had this moment where I kept blaming everybody for my problems. <laughs> like, you know, oh, it's, you know, my mom's fault because I don't know how to cook. And it's this person's fault because I dated them and they treated me this way. And I just remember thinking to myself, I am 25. Why am I still blaming such and such for the way that I am when I am very capable of taking a cooking class or watching YouTube or reading a recipe? I am very capable of cooking if I just stop blaming somebody else. And that was huge for me of being able to take responsibility for my own feelings and reactions versus blaming them on somebody else because then I could take them to the Lord and the Lord had something to work with. Because when I started blaming other people, he doesn't have anything to work with because I'm putting the blame on them instead of going to God with what, you know, I was hurting about. And, you know, that was probably one of the pivotal moments for me was recognizing that within myself coming out of the fog and out of relationships that were very harmful. But I also at that time had a spiritual father that came through a business adventure. Um, And so he really started to open my eyes to scripture as well of what that, what does it look like to love in a healthy way and marriage and men and how to really walk that out. But that was probably one of my most pivotal moments was when I stopped blaming people and really started to take responsibility myself. Mm, that's really powerful. Do you think that uh, blaming others sometimes is caused by the shame we feel inside unknowingly? Or maybe some, I don't know, what What was your experience with that? Well, I think pain wants something to blame. Mm. So when we have pain, we want to blame somebody for the pain that we have. Because if we think about ourselves causing the pain, that hurts even worse, which is where the shame comes from. Mm-hmm. So because the reality is, is that sometimes we do cause pain to ourselves and that's the hardest thing, you know, me choosing to date this person, even though clearly it wasn't a biblical relationship, you know, yes, I'm not disregarding their actions towards me, but also I need to take responsibility of, should I have been in that relationship? And I think many people might disagree with that, but I'm looking at this as well of, we still do things. It's not always everybody else's fault. We make choices all the time and we get to choose life or death. And for me, I think that was the fact that pain wants somebody to blame and for us to not blame and take it to the Lord. It's a completely, it's the upside down kingdom, right? It's instead of going to the world and doing it the world's way, it's going to the Lord and saying, okay, I am told to forgive because the mercy that's on me is then mercy that's extended. So how am I living that out? Yeah, that's really good. Good point. Did you find that forgiveness was a piece to your freedom, like Mm -hmm. to shift from that to living in a more healthy mindset? Absolutely. I think it was one of the pivotal moments, especially for my childhood, even Mm -hmm. into my 20s, where I had to walk through what it looked like with my upbringing Mm -hmm. and 
honoring them the best that I could and really changing the narrative from they're so terrible and, and I'm so mad and carrying this anger and resentment and bitterness to, okay, I think that they did the best that they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. And that's a big shift for anybody to go through. And that didn't happen overnight. That was many years, five, six years, seven years. I mean, I still have to walk that process out at times. Yeah. But for me, it was being able to renew my mind to God's love. And also, this is where it gets us, look at them as an image bearer of God. Mm. And not just some person that we are using our words to shame and cut down. Again, this doesn't excuse their behavior, but I'm a huge advocate of even how somebody treats us doesn't mean that we get the right to treat them the way that they treat us. Yes. yes. So, um, you know, scripture tells us that the Lord is the one who avenges us. Do not repay evil for more evil. So that has just been so important to me. And I don't get it right all the time, but I'm definitely trying to be aware of, you know, how am I living out the word that way? Yeah, that's powerful. It's hard and it is a process and you have to give yourself grace in that process, right? Yeah. But I think to go through it does bring freedom. Mm -hmm. I know that. Um, Okay. So in the book, you talk about changing the way you think about God to change Mm -hmm. the way you live with God. Expound on that a little bit. What does that look like? I realized that when we talk about our identity in Christ, there is, we kind of hold that we have to ask ourselves these two questions. The first question is, how do I actually view God? And that question alone is going to give you the answer of the compare and contrast of the world's view of, you know, are we looking at him through our human relationships and false doctrine, or are we looking at him through scripture and his word? So the first question basically says, how do I, how do I personally view God? Do I view him as kind? Do I view him as loving? Or do I view him as somebody that's waiting to strike me down? I'm afraid to be less than perfect. I'm afraid to not give the Christian answer. I'm afraid that if I do this, you know, quote unquote, karma is what we say. But if I do this, God's going to do this. And that is going to impact our relationship with God. Mm. And when we answer that question, That means that we need to challenge the way we view God to change the way we live with God. That means we're going to challenge that thought and actually go to the word where it talks about him being the healer, the provider, the peace, the things that are actually opposite. Like he's not looking at you through your sin. He actually sees you through his son, Jesus. And that completely changes the way that we walk with him. So our view of him matters. Yes. Yes. So true. I love that you're saying that because his character is in the word. It's in the Bible. It's in scripture. And too often, I think we view him or people view him as, um, you know, what they might read as opinion of who he is. And, you know, if you're not going straight to the word of God to see what the scripture says about him and his nature and his love for you, then it, it can be daunting and we can put him into a 
a box or into a legalized description when really he is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-loving, merciful, gracious. So I think what you're saying is so on target um, and it needs to be talked about more. Uh, Tell me a little bit about creating the space you need to find healing. Mm -hmm. Like you had to go through that journey yourself and you also um, talk about it in your book. So what does Mm -hmm. that look like? Well, I think for if we're talking about just everyday life moments, because a lot of women, when I hear, when they say, when they hear creating space for healing, they think I got to get away. I got to spend hours, you know, in the word alone. And that's just not realistic for a lot of people. Right. So for me, it's finding those pockets of time in your day that you're intentionally pursuing the Lord and potentially or intentionally pursuing the truth. I like to look at healing as everyday choice moments. So the moment that you choose to speak life over somebody instead of gossip, the moment Mm -hmm. that you choose to go to them instead of behind their back, the moment that you choose to be kind to somebody that cut you off to be, to give them your spot instead of taking the spot. Those are the things that matter that are part of our everyday lives. That is healing. When you choose to not be angry at the car in front of you because they cut you off. And then you realize like, I probably cut people off too. And I don't mean to do that. You give them grace and mercy that has been given to you. That's healing. Mm -hmm. But we don't look at those little moments every day. We think we got to get away to a retreat. We got to spend 25 hours in the Lord. You know, I mean, those are good things, but let's talk about everyday tangible things. It's finding time at the red light and not picking up your phone. Carpool line. Don't pick up your phone pick up those intentional moments of silence, doctor's office. Like we have moments in our day, the bathroom, not taking your phone into the bathroom. I mean, just these moments that are even five minutes that you get to just, okay, what, what's going on in my mind? Am I reacting? Am I responding? How can I choose to just take a breath right here? That is what I love helping women just to say, let's create space to heal, but let's do it practically. This is everyday life. You can't escape every weekend. But how can we choose this over this, which is in, which is healing? Yes, yeah, so so good. It's the little moments that yeah. build that build the foundation, the new foundation, right? Yeah, and it's living out the word. I mean, you're choosing yeah. to not encounter strife, right? You're choosing right. to cling to what is good. That is living out scripture practically. And we need more of action instead of just knowledge. We need to be able to apply what we're learning versus the fact that you can win a theological debate. Right. You know, so it's important to me that we also are pursuing the heart of the Father in our everyday moments. Yes. Oh, yes. 100%. And, <clears throat> you know, I think repentance, like be quick to repent to the Lord. Yes. He's not like trying to bang us over the head, but, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, when we're acting out of, you know, things that are not fruits of the Spirit, um, we can quickly repent like, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, would you, would you change my heart? Would you change my mind? Renew my mind. Like every day we need to, our minds to be renewed. It's one of the things I pray in the mornings when I sit with the Lord, whether, whether it's a few minutes or whether, you know, I may have a little bit more time is just renew my mind today. Align me with you, with your thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, even when we're not feeling it, um, he honors his word. Yeah, you know, and changes us. How do you, um, you talk about discovering how to get the word of God from your head into your heart. Mm -hmm. So 
these are some of the ways we can do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I talk about my book, Face Off With Your Feelings, the idea that we have two sides of our brain, the left and the right. And one side is all about logic and reasoning and thinking and it, it loves numbers and all of that. And then the other side is identity, it's worth, it's emotion. So when we think about what we're told often in, in church is renew your mind and that's it. But it's not very often that it's practically shown to us how to have a relationship with God, which both of those are on two different sides of our brain. So I love to be able to say like, we walk in the fullness of God when we can encounter the knowledge of God with the experience of God and be able to walk that out. That is experience in the fullness of God. You're not denying emotion. You're not denying, you know, that side of you as well, but you're also tapped into reasoning and logic so that when you encounter emotional situation, you can tap into, you know, your prefrontal cortex and say, Hey, you know, what is really going on here versus just living off of knowledge or just living off of motion. The fullness Mm -hmm. is being able to embrace encounter both. So when we want to get from our head to our heart, it's, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to know him, be about him, but I also don't want to deny who he made me, how he made me, and I'm becoming sanctified so I want to have a relationship. What does that look like? It's not just about knowing all the facts. I can know all the facts about you, Holly, but I could still not have a relationship with you. Right. And therefore that's head knowledge. But right. heart is when I know all the facts about you, Holly, and we talk and we have a conversation, we have dialogue and right. we begin to live out that relationship. So that's where we get from the head to the heart is really being able to combine both of them without one or the other trying to rule. Cause then I can lead with just all my feelings and emotions with you, Holly. And then you can be like, whoa, 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 don't you even know me? You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and so it's that, it's that other side where we can be led by one or the other. Yes. Yes. Such a great example. And to know someone, you have to have that dialogue, like you're saying, yeah. right. And yeah. it is a dialogue. Um, I think, Sometimes believers don't realize how much of a dialogue it is. Mm. And in a dialogue, you know, if you and I are getting to know each other, Jessica, we're going to ask questions, right? (laughs) It doesn't necessarily mean doubt, or sometimes it might be like digging deeper for understanding. It's the same way with God. Like he says, seek me and you will find me. Mm. And um, yeah, that is, that is really good. So on finding freedom from shame, um, what are some ways that you can go on this journey and you know of healing and find freedom from sh- uh, find freedom from shame about what you feel? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- how does that look like walked out? Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is again, it's such a slow process because the world says how far and fast can we get somewhere. But the word is more like how slow and steady can we go with the Lord? And slow and steady, our flesh hates that. (laughs) So when we're walking out shame, it's really this process of walking out our relationship with the Lord. You know, I found the Lord when I was 22, didn't grow up in church, didn't know anything about the Bible or, you know, religion, Christianity, whatever. So for me, my walk was slow. I mean, I didn't know how to 
quote or read or find a passage in scripture. If you were to say, John, you know, 10, 10, I wouldn't know how to find that. So when I say that I started from ground zero, it was ground zero. And I was a cherry picker, you know, reader where I would just read like a scripture, open it up. And then it was a slow progress, you know, process into just reading a chapter maybe of that. And then it was maybe I should read a book. And then it was more like six years later, I was like, you know what, maybe I should actually read the New Testament or Old Testament because I never wanted to read the Old Testament. (laughs) Um, And then it was like, you know what, maybe I should read the entire Bible. So for me, I didn't have some epiphany moment that I was all of a sudden evangelizing and giving people to the Lord. It was, I mean, it was a six-year process for me to even really fully get into the Bible because I was still living with the boyfriend. I was still having sex before marriage. You're talking about somebody that had all these ideologies about life and living and loving. That wasn't going to happen overnight after 25 years of living in abuse, right? And I think that could have happened faster, maybe, does it have to take you six years? No, (laughs) you know? Um, but you know, for me, I just want women to really, really hear that coming out of shame is really knowing who you are in Christ, but it's also living in the love of God because they, women will tell me all day long, like, I know that God loves me. And I'm like, I know that, you know, he loves you, but how do you receive his love for you? And that is something that I am constantly working on as well, but it completely changes the way that we live and what we think about shame because shame isn't even a part of the kingdom, right? And we're in the kingdom as believers Um, and that old man is gone and we have a new spirit, but it left behind an unrenewed mind. That means that we have to spend time renewing it. Yes, yes, yes. And amen. That is so good. Thank you. Thank you. I know we flew through a lot of things in a short period of time, but um, I just think it's so important, this message that you have. So thank you for sharing. So Jessica, would you please take a minute to tell our listeners the best place to connect with you and how they can get your books? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram, Jessica Hoddle. I also have a podcast called What's the Truth? Um, and they can go to jessicahoddle.com and they'll be able to find all the information about my book there as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being our guest and listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We will um, be back with you again next week with the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We are here for you. You can find me super easy at Holly A. Newton on Instagram and Holly Newton Official on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And let's help others find the show so that they can also be encouraged in their purpose and passions. There's a couple of ways you can do that. One by subscribing and another is by rating and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, you can even screenshot, share in your stories, text it to your friends and family. And be sure to tag me at Holly A. Newton on the socials so we can connect.